This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Good afternoon, everybody. You have the things, the triptychs, the whisper thing. Okay, you get it from here. Okay, um, so we're going now to the Beis HaChayim. We had spoken about two of the Rabbonim that were in the um, Rabbina seminar and that really pioneered making a scholarly structure for combating reform and producing Rabbonim who could function well in Germany. So we spoke about Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer and we spoke about Rabbi David Hafman and their contribution. We were able to see just a small piece by Rabbi David Hafman, able to see later more. And now I want to speak about somebody else who I actually looked up now is in the base Aquarius. He was an incredible person and it's, uh, it was a life that we unfortunately weren't Zeicha to um, have more of him. His name was Avram Elia Kaplan. He was born in 1889 in Litta and was named there for his father who had died when he was, before he was born. He ended up going to to uh, Tells, and then from Tells ended up in Slabotka. He was an incredible genius, but much more than that, he was an extraordinarily rounded personality. He, he, his, his, his golden touch included everything, learning, Musa, poetry writing, story writing, um, he, he was just an incredibly rich person. At the age of 30, um, he was taken to the Rabbina seminar to head it. In the, um, this was after the Petir of the Ritzvah And for four years, he headed the Rabbina seminar. And he really, he, he was mashpia in terms of bringing some of the Litvisha derech and the Muslim movement. In other words, the first two Rosh Hashivas of the Rabbina Seminar had a uniquely, let's call it, German structure, learning basics, PSAC, methodology, other in things. He was very different. And he was somebody who actually was Mushrash in the Lutzish Yeshiva world and yet was broad enough to encompass other worlds. Um, the scholarly academic dry stuff wasn't his forte especially. It wasn't that it was, he, he, he had problems with it, it just wasn't his thing. His thing was a much broader perspective on Torah as a whole. He died suddenly at the age of 34. Um, and then Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg took over from him who himself was also from the literature Shiva world, but was able to include a lot of other things. But I'd like to focus a little bit about his personality from Elia, because he really was a yachid. We have, he started a project writing a Rashi on Talmud Bavli, which would be a little more user-friendly than Rashi for the person who's unlearned. You have to remember there was a time when art school didn't exist, 
when even Rabbi Steinzaltz didn't exist, when you really had to figure out the Gemara yourself, and Rashi is a bit brief for someone who has no, and he started, he called it Beisat Talmud. He, um, he, he was, and, he, and, and they put out one main safer of his, I don't know if, it, if he, I don't think he put it out in his lifetime. It was based, it's called Be'ikvis Hayira. It, it is one of the most beautiful mamarim, um, Muslim mamarim. And Be'ikvis Hayira includes many different, I would say the word doodlings of a great person. So Be'ikvis Hayira, the main mamarim is called Be'ikvis Hayira. And he gives an, an extraordinary approach to how does a person look at Yira? Does a person look at it as being scared by Hashem because Hashem is a, a difficult, bad, out to get him? What's the appropriate perspective on Yira? And he writes beautifully, and his main point is a marshal. And he says, imagine a father is bringing his child, his young infant child, for the first time to the shul on Simchas Torah. And he's dancing with the child perched on his shoulders. And it is such a beautiful bonding moment. He's also in trepidation lest the kid falls off. So the love for the child, what? The love for the child and the trepidation of him not losing it come together. And he calls that Gilu Bir Ada. It's celebrate with trepidation, meaning the close Kesha Takarish Baruch itself and how meaningful it is to you generates the trepidation and, and, the, and the pressure to make sure that it stays and doesn't falter. Incredibly beautiful Maimer. Um, it was published by Mosar Cook because I think they'd be published again. But that's the, that's the main mimer. That's his Musa mimer. He also has a lot of small bits and pieces, letters that he wrote. He wrote letters to a friend of his, a Slavotka. His name was Hev Gittelsen, who later on was a known tzaddik in Shalayim. And in his last years of his life, he ran the kitchen in Me Yeshiva. And in case you're a bacha, having a very big tzaddik who fasts most of the week running a kitchen doesn't create the ideal gashmias. He was a, a very, everyone admired him, but they wished that he was all more magushim and, and, and it would translate into the, into the but Al Kopanim, that was a friend, he wrote letters. And he writes letters, these are, these, are, these are poetic expressions that are genuine of a person about how he, he had left Slabotka for a while and he's coming back home and what it means to be able to, to smell the sperm, to see the, the altar, to, 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 to have that kesher. And, and those, are, those are incredibly beautiful letters. He has stories about Lithuanian life, about a, 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 a Malamed. He, he's, he, it's a, he, he had incredible power of um, giving over a Pneumius, a worthy Pneumius, in a way that resonates really well. It's, it's, it, and again, what we have is doodles. He has discussions about how certain principles and logics, and logic, informal logic, are expressed in Gemara. It, 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 the, the, the person was a polymath in, in, the, in the full sense of the word. 
you, you, there wasn't an area that didn't interest him that he didn't wasn't able to apply it to Kaidish. These are just odds and ends he left over. He's very famous. There used to be a song that was very popular. It's not popular anymore today. Um, it was called Shaka Hama that he wrote. Um, it's it's a very melancholy, thoughtful song. It doesn't go well today. It doesn't boom. It doesn't pop. You can't do any drums to it. It's it, it's called Shaka Hama. And it's a, it's a certain melancholy about, is his life worthy? What is he accomplishing? And there's one line there that haunts me. It's, it's, it's a very, very powerful line. He says, If this is what you call life, tell me, O God, what's to die? In other words, if this is, this is meant to be full, what I'm doing, then how empty could empty be? It's, it's, it's very powerful. Today we need a lot more positive reinforcement, stuff like that. But, but this is such a powerful line. And, and the, the, the tune used for it was a very haunting tune. I don't know if he put the tune together or not. But once upon a time, it, it was one of those Dvekas, Dick and Niggins that you sang, um, you know, Prime Shah Shudas and so on. Um, I'll add a story about his life, which I heard from someone who heard it, a close friend of mine heard this from Rav Hutna. I'm not going to say who it is because I think Rav Hutna meant to apply this story to the person himself, to, to the person himself, something about the person's life. He said when Rav Avram Elia passed away in 1924, nobody could bring himself to tell the Alta Slabatka. He was the Alta Slabotka's favorite Talmud. The Alta adored him. Whenever the Alta had reason to travel to Berlin, he would go out of his way to meet him. <coughs> and they would always find ways to get the Alta not to go. They really, really were scared that he wouldn't be able to handle it or whatever it was. So the Alta officially didn't know about his Ptira. Rev. Hutnis told this person, it's my friend of mine, that when Rev. Hutnis was learning in Hebron, Hebron as in the city Hebron, where Slabatki Yeshiva had relocated, he was going on a stroll, he was taking a Shpatsir with the Alta Slabatka. And the Alta was in a pensive mood, and he turns to Rev. Hutnis and he says, did you perhaps ever know a person named Avram Elia Kaplan? And Rav Hutner stiffened up. Like, yeah. And the altar reflected and he said, a person davins and davins and doesn't know what he's davening for. He said, a person whose entire life is one big Nisoyan. When he davens every morning, he doesn't know what he's davening for. And that was it. Dalton never referred to it again, never referred to the story again, never, never spoke about it. Um, it's interesting that he told the story to Rafutna. Um, the Alta never schmoozed for the sake of schmoozing. He always was saying something. It's a fascinating. Um, I guess, I, I think it was trying to tell Rav Hutna something. 
and, and I think it was an insight of his. In other words, he felt that the type of life that the Ravelio was trying to lead was really standing on the brink. Berlin was the, um, was the, the, the center of everything intellectual tearing away from Yiddishkeit. Everything, you know, here you had to, you're at the forefront of, of the war. So it's one thing when a person's very insulated and, and he sort of isolates himself, okay, so he's not affected. But a person who's out there on the front lines and he's that, I, I, I guess, I can't, it's hard to read out and explain more, but, but that was the point of it. So his, his life was an incredible a, a life. The, the, that you, you don't find, to the best of my knowledge, anyone else who had the genuine literature, um, lumbus Torah sense, and yet be such a poetic soul. It, it, it just don't find that, and expressing himself in a way like that. It, it's a safer that, just looking through it and, and, and seeing the incredible breadth of interest and attention and so on, and I, again, I looked up and it, uh, now that his caver is there, I, I don't know if we'll find it, we'll see it, but it's, it's important to know that. I also wanted to add the next person, the Rabbi Michael Weinberg, his caver, he was buried in Etzestrol, he brought him in Etzestrol. He, he was in Berlin, told him at the end. So um, he was much more, he was a little, he had one foot in the literature world. In other words, yeshiva, yeshiva world, he was very much part of it. But he also did have a some sort of sense, the, the, the mechker part, the academic part of it. He, 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 did, he did like it. He felt there was value to it. And he himself brings and shows different things, even though most of the things that he says are much more sort of contemporary stuff. And um, his, um, what was interesting is that some of the chuvas of his, he expresses there were things going on in Germany that were kind of pushing the envelope, whether it's boys and girls together in youth groups, the singing together, the involvement of women, things like that. And he writes that begrudgingly he has to admit that it's sincere and beautiful, like he struggles with some of it, but says he sees that it works and, 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 it's, and it's important. Bear in mind, um, the, the, the groups had mixed groups. They were they they were knowing to sing together if they sang and so on. And, and he felt this was these groups, the Ezra groups and so on, were, were necessary. And, and it, it was where the from world in, in 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 Germany was, and you couldn't uh, you you couldn't just drop it. But that that's interesting. Abichiel's perspective on it, his. Um, there's one more very interesting thing I found while I was looking through. In, in David Sri Hoffman's wrote a, um, a, a tshuva sefer called Malamed Lahoel, and it's a, a very interesting. It's a it's a tshuva sefer. Th th he obviously dealt with issues that were contemporary and um, and you know again on the on the front lines, but you know there's a I think it's tshuva. I have it marked down someplace. Where someone asked him a shayla, he said that he doesn't 
either he doesn't know offhand or he can't tell him offhand what the current minig is, something along those lines. But he says the one safer that's really, you can, you can always follow his minhagim and do as he says, is the Mishnabura, written by the one who wrote the Chavetz Chaim. So people speak a lot about how the Archashulchim was there. It's just, it's just a planting mark when he tells him, you want to know a default safe to go to, this is not a Fafrumti Yeshivish person, it's Rebdovitzi Hafen Lam Lahol, and he says that. I, I just saw it and I, I said, like he says, if you want something that's, it can be a default minhag, the Mishabura written by the Baruch Chavetz Chaim, that's a safer that, that you can, you know, uh, 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 that you can rely on. So it's a, it was like a new safer coming out, kind of. It was like a, a he was, in, and the Balach of Chaim was the one, the Mechaber of Chaim was the one that was known. But it, it, you know, he, he picked, he considered it to be the, the default safer where you can look to for default sack. That was just an interesting footnote I wanted to add. Okay. Why did the Hadu say the, um, what? Yeah, when I heard it, I heard that he, he was he was sick and dying. That's what I heard. He, he was, he, it was a sudden thing. His father, obviously, his own son, Tzavi Kaplan, who lived in Rechavia, didn't get married till he was past the age that his father got married because he was scared of some hard thing. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they know what it was, but his father was Nifta young. He was Nifta, 34. He, he wasn't sick. To the, no, and he wasn't, not that anyone knows it. And he said in Grammy, that was him, correct. Yes, that was him. Rabban Kotler said a shtickle Taira at his chasna, and Rabbi Vermelia said it in Grammy. Immediately after. Yes. Yeah. Did Rabbi Aaron's genius to like the next one? The next. So to come up with the shtickle was Rabbi Aaron, but to be able to translate it. Why? I'm sure he did. Those days they said at the Chasna, so it, it very well like was at the Chasna. I don't think they, they didn't make Shevabrox those days. It wasn't, a, it wasn't. Uh, 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 was a bigger fan those days. People traveled and they came. And, and the Chasna said, of course, the Chasna said. So. At, at Reb Shach's, Reb Tzimaya Bergman told me, told us, we were. At his chasana, Rebbe Zudel was there for the chuppah. He came in, um, uh, um, they went into the yichud room. Five minutes later, Rebbe Zudel knocks on the door and he says, I'm sure you had a shtickle terror to say, I can't stay here. I know you'll be upset that I can't hear it, so let me hear it now. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> People ask him to put on the thing when you're schmoozing with yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why did? Yeah. 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 I felt that he, I think that the Alta felt that Rebutna is also playing with a lot of worlds. Right. And you have to, you have to be careful, uh, you know, I, 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 something along those lines. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, hey. Yeah, but the Chazanish, the Chazanish's poetry was very religious. You know, it's, you don't get from the Chazanish that expression of, Rav has, a, you know, what's with my days? It's very different. It's it's coming from a different world. Rav world was a big world where things are seeking to find. Chazanish's world was very specific. There's the Shamas, the Kodesh Baruch there's mitzvahs. Very, it's a... But also, he, it was unusual, unusually predicate. In Tchunas and Nefesh, it doesn't go together, really. If you're nitty-gritty, you know, kind of very, very specific and, and, and uh, that orientation, the, the, the more dreamy, you know, it's, 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 there's something about Kochas and Nefesh that seemed to be different. Than, uh, 